Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Visual with Mark Hansen, that podcast where you learn about all the people responsible for those videos and images you see out in your world every single day. And I, of course, am your host, lifestyle and advertising photographer, Mark Hansen. And today, my guest is stylist Melissa Melvin. Melissa has been styling and doing fashion shows for a long time, and she has some great stories. I mean, we talk about the time she uh, traveled around with Claudia Schiffer, supermodel. We talk about the time she worked with Tammy Faye Baker and helped her with her clothes and her styling. The time she rented tigers from the Tiger King. The time she was in the middle of nowhere down south and was having breakfast at a Waffle House with Kristen Davis as they were on their way to and from some fashion shows. She talks about working with Michael Jordan, working with Cam Newton and how um, she had to give a suit to him in 35 minutes when she lived farther than that away and sew all the tags in it because they hadn't been sewn in yet because nobody told her they were there or that they need to be sewn in. Um, another story about working with a woman for a weight loss story where she had to tuck and fold some skin, which is, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know about that one. And why she is called Mama Melvin and Wow, a bunch of other stuff as well. So this is a cool one. You guys are going to love this. Let me know what you think. Like it. Thumbs up it. Subscribe. Definitely leave me some comments and tell me what you think about this one. And I look forward to hearing what you guys think. So uh, enjoy. First of all, where the hell did you grow up? Um, I was born and raised in Gastonia. Were you? Yeah, still so live there. How did growing up in... Okay. What were you surrounded by in Gastonia, North Carolina? <laughs> not exactly the fashion capital of the world. Fashion what capital were you of the world. surrounded by that made you become a fashion stylist? You know, I think it's kind of innate. My mom used to buy me really expensive baby dolls when I was little. And I would undress them, cut their hair, take their clothes apart, re-sew them, make them all new clothes. And she would look at me. I was like five years old. And she'd say, do you have to take their clothes off and cut their hair and mess up their clothes? <laughs> I was like, that was how I played with them. That sounds really ridiculously horrible. I know, but it's the complete truth. By five years old. And I had a cousin that looked like me, but she was six feet tall. And I got a lot of her hand-me-downs. And when I would get a basket or a box or bag of her hand-me-downs, I would pick things out and put them on immediately. And I would sleep with the rest of them. Like other children slept with stuffed animals. I loved clothes, loved textiles, loved drapes, love interiors, just love all things like that. And I had a sister almost 20 years older than me. And um, she was like married to a dental surgeon and traveled the world and liked antiques. And he was much older, older than, than you. 20 years older than me. I was you, uh, surprised. I was a big surprise. Yeah. yeah. My mom was like 45 when I was born. Oh, wow. So, um, <laughs> so I was sort of surrounded with more adult things as children. And my sister lived in a hundred year old house on um, like fraternity row at Western Car Western Kentucky university. So I loved how it sounded even when she tromped and walked through that old house with those high ceilings and drapes that bubbled in the floor. And 
I guess I just was born with a love of all those kinds of things. I put on fashion shows when I was a little kid. Like I had a little stage and little curtains and my dolls, and my, my Barbies. I made evening gowns for them and it, I, I did it my whole life, you know, and I was a dancer. So I loved music and lighting and sound and, you know, and Victoria is exactly the same way. You know, we all love all that kind of stuff. It's terrible. I mean, that's not terrible. you know, that's well, I mean, I know, but that's I mean, great it was, for your job. Well, it was innate to us. I mean, we we loved all things like that always. I mean, I could have cared less about video games or, you know, football or soccer sports could care less about any of those things. I just wanted to watch ballet dancers and listen to music and play with fabric. I'm That's crazy. You were doing fashion shows with your dolls. Yeah, I was. And all that stuff. I was, I was really parachutes for my little army men. That's about as far as making anything for any kind of toy doll thing I ever got. I sewed evening gowns and handbags. Okay, you mean like little mini evening gowns and handbags? Yeah. yeah, I made little mini evening gowns for my Barbie dolls. By the time I was six, when and, and you know, my mom was sewing? a much huh? Were you sewing at six? Yeah, my mom was so my, my mom was much older than most moms were. Mm-hmm. So I made pot holders with those loop things that you bought like as crafts my mom had a much older thought of things than you know most contemporary moms because my mom was 45 when I was born so I had little sewing kits where you sewed with yarn and plastic needles and learned how to whip stitch so by a very young age I knew how to sew so I sewed barbie gown evening gowns and then I had little fashion shows with them that's ridiculous I know but I did I think that's great. Victoria was doomed because she grew up, you know, Victoria grew up on a chartered bus with 25 models on that bus going to fashion shows and stuff. And her favorite thing was when the fashion show was going on, she would, you know, being a little kid, she would crawl around and buckle all their shoes on. And then um, when it was over with, she would go on the bus and sit on the little girl's lap and peel their fake eyelashes off. And she said to me one time at about six, you know, mom, the best models have the best underwear and it always matches. <laughs> That's terrible. Right? <laughs> I mean, so it's like clearly that she was affected by things like that, too. You know, I mean, for everybody who doesn't know, Victoria is your daughter. Uh, yeah, that's so. What, how old was she? I was, was going to get to that at some point. But how old was Victoria when she started going with you on jobs like that? Um toddler you know when I had Alex Melvin I was traveling with Claudia Schiffer when she first signed her guest contract so um wait 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 wait, wait, wait. you were with Claudia Schiffer right as she was doing the guest thing when she was uh hot hot Mm -hmm. hot 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 yeah Mm -hmm. yeah when Claudia Schiffer was born I mean when when Alex Melvin my son was born I was coming off maternity leave and my first project back was I was traveling with Claudia Schiffer for some, I guess it was like a fragrance launch or something. So I traveled with her for several cities and I took a nanny with me because I had an infant and, you know, and had Victoria was like two. She was little. Wow. That's a trip. Okay. How did you end up getting a job? There's a, there's a, there's a difference between being a kid and loving to make your, your dolls fashion and clothes and runways and that kind of thing but how did you end up actually working in the business and becoming a stylist 
Because you sell okay. everything. I mean, you do like everything. Well, I um, loved all that stuff my whole life. And uh, as a teen, I taught dance at dance studios. So I got all, I got a lot of experience in lighting and, you know, sound equipment, that kind of thing. And then I went to college, I went to Botter College in Atlanta, and I majored in fashion merchandising because I knew a couple of really cool girls from where I was from that had also done that. And when I got to Atlanta, um, Botter College no longer even exists. But at that point in time, they were a big source for, it's called America's Mart now. It's where people go oh, for yeah. boutiques to shop for market. Um, when, you, when you go to market at America's Market, you shop all day long. And at night, there are cocktail parties and you're entertained by fashion shows. So I was on fashion staff and I would work. Um, that's where I really learned my trade of fashion shows. I learned lineups. Uh-oh, puppy dog coming in. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I learned... Um, that's how I learned how to do lineups and fashion shows. That's how I really met a lot of models. I was really up on every model that lived in Atlanta because we'd have five fashion shows in five days. And it works like this. You would, um, the clothes would be out in the showrooms all day. And then they were picked up by fashion staff at night just before the showrooms would close. And we would work overnight on the fashion shows, on the propping and the styling and the lineups and all those kind of things. Most girls did it like once and they hated it. I did it for like probably 10 years. I even was a a grown adult with a job and I would take vacation time and go to market in Atlanta and do that for 10 Mm -hmm. years. Um, Do you remember, do you know uh, Cassandra Wilson, who's a stylist from Atlanta? Do you know her? I know the name. Um, You would know her if you saw her. She said she was an employee of America's Mart. She goes, Melissa, I looked you up. You did that for like 10 years. Nobody did that more than twice. You would wear out a pair of shoes. It was so much walking and it was so much work and it was overnight. And it was, but I learned, I had fashion shows with, I think I had Karen Kane's very first fashion show she ever had because she was a guest designer at the Apparel Mart, America's Mart in Atlanta. And she was so cute and so young. And she brought me tears of like Chanel and other things of how she wanted her things styled. And I got to tell her that like 20 years later. Um, but yeah, I did a lot of big fashion shows with big designers at America's Martin Atlanta. They were really big deals at the time. We'd have, you know, it'd be wintertime. We would have all these um, fur companies would do big fashion shows. And you always had to reinvent a fur fashion show. For goodness sakes, what is that about? One year we installed ice skating rink stuff in the middle of the Peril Mart. And everybody was given a pair of ice skates and they could ice skate after the fashion show. So I feel like all of my antics of fashion shows that people know me for kind of came from that. It, there was no end to what we didn't do. There was no end to, you know, the wow factors and the themes and the all that. It was because you were entertaining buyers for five nights. And these were people from all over the country that had been there, done it and seen it and traveled. So they had to be entertained. So, so that was really where that- buy the stuff to put into the stores. Right. That's before where buyers go to market to buy stuff that right. go to stores. They see fashion shows at night. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I did it. That's where I did the fashion show thing and where I really like kind of lined up my trade. And when I graduated from college, I went to work for Montaldo's because Montaldo's was still around. Mm-hmm. Um, and people might know that name because it's on the side of the building at the Mint Museum's craft and design building. That was Montaldo's. And it had a pull through and like a little portico shay you would pull through. The 218 junior shop was on one side and the real couture salon and the expensive stuff was on the other. 
And I um, did events and fashion shows for them for a couple of years. And I got that job because I had had Albert Nippon as a guest designer in Atlanta and I knew all of his people and they were about to have a big opera event with Albert Nippon and I had just done his event in Atlanta. So they knew I kind of knew, I mean, I was like 23 years old, but you know, they knew I had met him before. I knew his people, I had history with them. And so that's where that started. And I stayed at Montaldo's. Montaldo's actually, as the store became smaller, there was an entire floor that was a hospitality suite is what they called it. And so we had fashion shows for ladies who lunch and, you know, had trunk shows and things They had an entire floor to do it. And in those days when you had a trunk show with Oscar De La Renta or Bill Blass or Jeffrey Bean, they came. I mean, I was with them routinely. Mm -hmm. And all the names, you know, in Charlotte shops, they are like, I mean, I hate to is this Mark? Is your podcast called Name Drop? Am I Name Drop? What <laughs> 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 a name drop! But I mean, it's so it's so. You can a name drop all you want. It's a testament to the times. Like I shopped with Tammy Faye Baker. I shopped with Mrs. Cameron Brown. Okay. We had ladies. All right, hold on. Let's mm-hmm. let's talk about shopping with Tammy Faye for a minute. Okay. Tell me about that. Tell me, like, I want to know the minute you met her. Don't get excited. I, I I was scared to death of her. No, that's you know, fine. I just <laughs> want to know what, what it was like shopping with Tammy Faye. You know, when well, I, she showed I up, was do... there other people with her? Was it a, just yes. her? Was it, I mean, no, was... there were other people with her. And, and I apologize because I can't name drop because I don't remember some of their names. But the man who sat beside of Jim Baker all the time and wore a really big belt buckle, he and his wife often shopped there a lot. I mean, so yeah, all, all the names that you knew from that era shopped there. Um, and, you know, they didn't carry things at Montaldo's that weren't expensive. It was a, they had, it was like a couture salon, you know, in the stock room. I remember, I mean, this was decades back. There was a $10,000 Valentino dress in the stock room. So the, the people who had money or who shopped there, there were ladies that flew their private planes down from Mississippi and loaded up their suitcases, which were Louis Vuitton and took them back with them. So those were the kind of people that shopped there, but yeah, I did lots of fashion shows there. I, I was so young then. I was younger than all the models then. Like, this is cute. Everybody knows Debbie Blackmore Chapel. I knew Debbie Blackmore Chapel as a model, a redheaded model. She modeled in a lot of my fashion shows and stuff. Wow. I know. So everybody knows her as stylist, creative director at the, you know, Cato Corporation. But I knew her as a model way, way back. So, yeah, it was, it was fun. But So I got started there. And then after I was at Montaldo's for a few years... I moved a couple of department stores down the street to Belk and to Belk Store Services, which was at one time housed in the large, like three, four story department store on Tryon. But it was literally like two doors down from where I had worked in Montalvo's. And I was used to things being neat and clean and pretty. And I mean, I entertained and had beautiful food and drinks for you know, all these fancy designers and I got to Belk and they put me in a room with boxes above my head and told me I had to make a fashion show out of it in like two weeks. And I was going to be gone for like six weeks and I was going to have a fashion show like about every day. And, and I sort of thought, oh my God, these people don't know what they're doing. This dirty in here, when are they going to clean it up? Were you getting paid more than Montalvo's or did you just... Leave. Yeah, it was good. I started yeah. out good. Yeah, yeah. it was. Good. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to know what you got paid. I just want to know. Like, I figured that's why you left Montalvo's to go to Belk was because Belk was paying you more than you were making over Montalvo's. Um, I Belk kind of came after me for that because oh, they, okay. I, I had done fashion shows at a big way at the apparel at, at America's Mart in Atlanta. Right. And then I had done big fashion shows for the opera and the symphony in Charlotte for 
Montaldo's. And so Belk had this big thing, which was called Horizon, the road show, the traveling road show. And I think it existed for like maybe 17 years or so. I was there for six of it. And before me, it was like Kay Davis, Cindy Patterson. It was big names in Charlotte. People like Cindy Patterson was the mayor pro tem, you know. I mean, it was smart women that knew how to do it. They each stayed like two years wow. and they moved on. So what I really I want like, to know is how the hell do you remember everybody's first and last name? I'm doing good if I can remember their first name. But you seem to know everybody's first and last name. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay. Okay, Mark, yeah, I, can I can't Cindy. add two and two, but I'll remember what you had on the first day I ever saw you. So just remember that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, it's just a thing. I can yeah. remember stuff that's like impressive. that. No, can I add, but you know. I have another friend that's like that. She can remember everybody. Like she was teaching dance and had like a thousand kids. She knew every kid's name and every parent's name. And I fallen away by anybody who can have that kind of memory when it comes to names. It's amazing to me. That's cute. I met an old old man that was an executive with my daddy, and he said my daddy never forgot anybody's name. So I guess I got oh, it that way. Comes down to DNA. Was, yeah, I heard that was the truth. Yeah. Okay. So I, I did all. I started like this. I was on this road show, which had already existed, um, and I found paperwork from it the other day, like kind of recaps. And like in 19, in the very late 80s, I was making like a half a million dollars with that fashion show totals, not, not per show. Like now it's per show. We can make a half a million, you know, right. but then we were making like half a million dollars for charity. It was benefit museums and hospitals and junior leagues. And so during those 10 years that I actually worked as an employee at Bell Store Services, I did 17 to 20 shows in four States twice a year. I did it spring, summer, fall, winter. Okay. Sometimes I flew on a private plane every day to a different location ahead of the crew. Um, I had my own truck driver, my own crew of eight, you know, and did like, it, it was all over the Southeast. So were you so on a I, little private plane or you were on a chartered jet kind of thing? I was people? often on a little private plane, especially in the summertime. The, there was a group of like, it was EO Hudson. So there was Belk Hudson and Raleigh, but there was EO Hudson in Florida. Right. When I traveled down through the Florida regions, I flew every day on a private plane with a pilot named Jack. It would just be me and Jack. And I would pull a whole show and the crew would come a couple of days later and then we'd have a fashion show and then I would go to the next location. So how old so were that's, you when you had your first big fashion show and you were in charge of the whole thing? How old were you? Probably like 23. Yeah, I was surrounded because I was so young. Oh, I forgot about that. No, yeah, yeah, I probably, yeah, I had big fashion shows at Montaldo's. Opera goes glamour, opera goes opulent. That's what they were called. I still have programs and stuff from them, but um, they were for the symphony and the opera and stuff, but they were in their hospitality suite for several hundred. But by the time I got to Horizon at Belt Store Services, they were for thousands, you know. So um, I, at Belk, they were concerned I was so young. So yeah. there was an older gentleman named Cecil Besselou who was in charge of visual. He built all the staging and stuff. Cecil Besselou. He was a great guy. Yes. He, um, he built all the staging and stuff for my fashion shows. Uh -huh. And then there was a, a New York fashion director named Gloria, who was a, a legend. And she was really a lot older and so funny. And, I, you know, I was sort of surrounded by what they considered help. So that, you know, I would get it off the ground good, but I got it off the ground, right. but I did it for 10 years and gave my life up to do it. But I raised lots of money and I really, 
I refined my craft, you know. Where was your first one out of town? Um, I don't even know. I mean, I did it all over. I did it in Richmond, Virginia, and um, I did it all over the floor. I did it all over North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Texas. I mean, I did it all over. Right. I don't even know what the first one was. I mean, I had like ones that had been going on for, you know, years and years and years, like in Macon, Georgia, it practically put a wing on a museum in Macon, Georgia. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's kind of like it was everywhere. Nashville it was everywhere. Damn. So you can imagine 40 cities in a year. That's how many I did. And how many miles so, do you have at each show? 25 or so. And that's how, that's why I always knew so many models. Cause you yeah. know, and they also in the early days, they would sign a contract because their contract was for all of the um, road shows. Like if it was for 20 shows, they did all 20 shows. Okay. Wow. So yeah, we kept them in a hotel and we put them on a charter bus and we moved them small distance by small distance. Like, you know, if it was in Florida, we got everybody to Florida and then we moved them on a bus and, we were basically so, on tour. Yeah, we were on tour. Yeah, it yeah. was a trip. It was quite a trip. Yeah. And then in between when we were doing that, we would do store openings and remodel and designer appearances and yeah, that kind 40 of fashion shows. That's well, it's not one a week, but it's it's just not too far off of that. It's not, but some of them were in consecutive days. There were situations where the trucks would have to drive overnight. Right. And you know, there were even situations where we would put models on a bus and travel overnight, like this is terrible. We'd have to lie on those like little logs that truck drivers keep to make sure we were like not breaking the law even because it was a really elaborate staging situation at that point. I mean, it wasn't just even like what we do now with the, you know, 40 foot wrong runway with the dozen chandeliers above and all that. It was much more elaborate than that even. Oh, wow. So and it was a whole log thing with the, the truck drivers. They evidently they can't do that in Europe because they're digital now and GPS. Uh, well, you you might not be able to do that here. I think you can still, I'm not positive, but I know a guy on a movie set. He was in charge of transportation for some, mm -hmm. you know, high-end movies. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that they were leaving Budapest going back to England. And it was going to take so many days because they couldn't drive overnight anymore like they used to because they can mm -hmm. GPS. And we said, but when they were in the States, we can pretty much fudge on that a little bit if we need right. to. Yeah. Right. I had I had bus drivers for the models and I had truck drivers for the sets. And my bus driver, I always loved my bus driver. My bus driver, last one, his name was Benny. He was retiring from um, American Charters, which he um, only drove. He drove what he called show people. He drove mm -hmm. the opera, the symphony and us. And he was such a cute old guy. And he would have these, you know, 25 models on a bus. We'd pull up to a hotel for our reservation. And they'd say, are you a youth group or female um, volleyball players or something. And I'd say, yeah, yeah. Because I wanted to keep them safe, you know, I'd say, yeah. yeah. And then, so we would have to, during the day, we had to keep everybody's haircuts, tans and physical, you know, fitness up. So we right. would take them to get a tan, to get a haircut to a gym, you know, but basically we didn't work all day. We would go to work at about four o'clock at night. We would have a fashion show, typically go to a party afterwards where, you know, it was meet and greet and all the models were all dressed up pretty. And we would be done with that at 10 o'clock where we would go in and they would put on jeans and then Benny would drive them to a local bar. And most of them would like drink water and dance all night for the exercise. And then he would drive us home. But it was quite a funny situation because we had to keep the models safe. So they would stay in a group together 
and, you know, kind of segregate themselves right. from everybody else. Cause you're in a small town. You don't know what, you know, but right. I remember being um, with a girl that was very, very, you know, glamazon beautiful. She walked into the bar and she was a sight to see. We're talking six foot, you know, and the some the DJ said a girl just walked in the door and she'd make a bulldog break his chain. <laughs> I mean, I like, oh my god! So I mean, they wow. had to stay together and only dance with themselves because you know I wanted to keep them safe. You I'm know, and so, remember that make a bulldog break his chain. Yeah. So Benny was our bus driver and our protector. It was funny. He would pull us up and all these beautiful things would get out and go in a local bar. It was quite a crazy thing. Yeah, my, with my female volleyball team or my basketball team or my youth group. So, well, yeah. Probably, yeah, I can see the sports thing being better because guys are probably less likely to try and uh, do anything because they're another athlete. So, beat your ass. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty hilarious. And people, men, of course, would try to infiltrate. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. But it was like, mm, nah. And, and then, of course, there were love interests on the road show. You know, I mean we had couples meet and get married. I felt responsible, you know, and of course some of them got divorced, but you know, so yeah, they, a lot of people met on the road show and got married. I mean, I think, I guess the, the most one everybody remembers was Steve and Brenda Sharman met on the road show and, you know, got engaged and are still married and have three children. And wow. he was, you know, legendary Southern model that everybody knew for a long time. Please don't squeeze the Charmin. Charmin, oh, Charmin. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, yeah, he was quite the thing in the day. He, he was. was the man. <laughs> he was the man. I mean, you know, he was he the was. man that everybody came to look at, you know. But anyway, yeah, it was funny. So I've known a lot of models throughout my life, you know, because I practically lived with him on all these fashion shows and road shows. And then in between times, I was on photo shoots and store openings and stuff like that with him. So that's, you know, once I had, I, once I had done that road show, I mean, I mean, I, I got as, about as much fashion show experience as you can get. So, yeah, yeah been there, done it, seen it. I've had had live. I, I posted something during the pandemic because everybody was watching um, or talking about Tiger. Was it Tiger World? What is the Tiger thing? Oh, Tiger King. Yeah. Tiger yeah. King. Yeah. I rented um, Tigers from him for a fashion show did once. You really? I did. And I have pictures to prove it. <laughs> did. Because, you know, we would have it was animal print. We would have, you know. You know, it, it was crazy. You know, I've had Cirque du Soleil above, bagpipers in the aisles, you know, models toting baby tigers. I, you name it, I've done it. And yeah, I, I got tigers from Tiger King Man. So they thought that was funny. But wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Funny. I know. So, yes. And Victoria often went with me on the road show and on all those things as a very young child. So she was a dancer too. And so, you know, when you're a ballet dancer, you have a lot of references to beauty and costume and lights and all that. So she was on the road show with me a lot during that. But yeah, my children were raised around total supermodels. When Alex Melvin got old enough to date, I was so afraid that he thought he was only going to deserve a supermodel. And so till he brought the first like cute 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 but just regular blonde-headed right. little girl home I was like oh my god thank god um I mean my children were raised you know my back bedroom the models call it Chateau Melbourne because everybody stays in my house you know with me right. and our lake house everybody comes there all the time you know so I was really afraid that Alex Melvin was only going to want a supermodel or think he deserved that so right. he well, one time at photographers who feel that way and they really shouldn't <laughs> Well, you know, a model loves to marry a photographer. Um, 
one time at dinner, my children didn't even realize like who was at their home and who they hung out with were so much more beautiful than general public. Right. My, my children didn't conceive that at a young age. And Alex Melvin said at dinner one night, we were talking about a girl named Robin Keene, who's Robin Welch, who's always been so very beautiful. And um, we were talking that she her daughter had had a baby. So she was a grandma now. And Alex Melvin, he's maybe 10. He goes, wait a minute you mean Robin is a grandma? Like you mean like she would pull up at school to get you and people would go like, dang, your mama's hot. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah, Robin is a grandma and she's a model and yes, yeah, she's very hot. So, I mean, you know, he, my children didn't conceive a difference between what they hung out with and how they lived and how other people, Right. it was ordinary for them to have people like that in their house and hang out with that. So, you know, they just, thought that was the stuff. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much how I got started, you know, doing that fashion show thing. And in between, you know, being, I would just always have been a stylist my whole life, yeah. you know. So is there one or multiple jobs? What would be your favorite job out of everything you've done? Would you say? Um, well, a fashion show in Atlanta called Pink Ribbons, which is benefits the coalition of breast cancer survivor organizations. Um, I would have big, fabulous fashion show at the Ritz Carlton in a beautiful setting. You know, I would like the entire room pink. Um, it was a really big occasion. All the women that attended that event came in pink outfits with pink hats. I mean, it was a big celebratory oh, day. Wow. And then the finale would be 20 breast cancer survivors that I had dressed in evening wear. And so for a breast cancer survivor to be looking fabulous in evening wear, you know, yeah. um, dress them head to toe, hair, makeup, everything. And then they would be in the finale of the fashion show. And then, you know, lots of money would be given to organizations. One of the organizations was even Grady Hospital. So when we would have a representative from Grady Hospital. So you knew that you made a difference in somebody's life. Because my, my rep from Grady Hospital that would come be in the fashion show, she was not a lady who launched. She was not a lady who got dressed up and came to a party. And, you know, she typically rode Marta to come to me and wouldn't even tell me because I would send a limo after her. But she wouldn't tell me that even often. So I was able, like buyers would help me. I have one that hadn't had surgery yet and oh, wow. she had kids. And so, you know, buyers would help me get together comfort wardrobes and tons of clothes and lingerie. And we would outfit her for the event that she got to come and bring a friend to and sit in the Ritz Carlton and have a great day and be beautiful. And so that was a really, that was a really good one. That was a really good one. That's one time my, my chair was always a great lady that I love so much. And, um, I don't know. It was when the, um, what was the advertising thing was so big. The TV show was it mad men was so big and oh, we did yeah, kind yeah. Of a mad men opening. And so the women were all dressed like, you know, women would be dressed in mad men. And we had mad men from all over Atlanta line, a 60 foot runway. They were like the drummer from this famous rock and roll band and actors and big business men. They were like really famous men and they wore Mad Men black suits with skinny lapels. And I gave everybody white shirts, skinny black ties, dressed them head to toe. And men lined the runway. Like they would pass the women down all oh, left, wow. right, left, right. It was really cool. I mean, and I'm not, I can't even remember like somebody's hairdresser was married to some big rock and roll band. I mean, it was a lot of very famous people. That was really cool. That was cool at that fashion show. But yeah, I mean, that was always a good one. And, and the children's hospital fashion shows where we have, 
um, professional models. You know, I'm showing out Music City Center with a 70 foot runway and a dozen chandeliers above. And we'll have a really good fashion show and we'll have 25 graduates from the hospital in it. And a graduate is a kid that's been seriously sick. And hopefully they um, have come to the other side of that sick and they're in the fashion show. And I just had a triplets one time that were born, like, you know, basically weighing like two pounds a piece. And they looked at me and they said, this was like being at Disney world. I was like, <laughs> yeah, good. So, you know, it, I, that's a lot of fun in Nashville. I've had a lot of very famous musical guests and, you know, a lot of um, my, I mean, like Elizabeth Hasselback has been my MC several times and my chair has been Mrs. Dave Ramsey and, oh, and Mrs. Um, oh, what's his name? Big, big, big country music singer guy. Really big one, big deep voice. Um, uh, I can't think of his name. But anyway, I've had lots of famous chairs and lots of famous musical artists. I've had Lauren Lady and Lauren Elaine, Lauren Elena, is that right? Lauren Elaine and yeah, Kelsey Ballerina. And I've had um, this year, well, last year before COVID hit, I would have had that fashion show. And Brad Paisley was my oh, scheduled cool. to be my MC and my guest designer. But, you know, that didn't work out too good. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all those children, I'm, I've met children through those events that I've kept up with for 20 years. Oh, wow. That have, you know, that have been like sick kids that have gotten better and, you know, so it's real fun. That's real fun to know those people. It's it's fun to be me and be able to use fashion in a good way because yeah. so many people think fashion, you know, we're in this period right now where models are like not the standard of beauty that they used to be. Model is more lifestyle oriented now where people used to say that, you know, fashion makes women feel bad and they think they have to be skinny and they think they have to meet this standard and look like this. And Oh, yeah. And I was always for, you know, 20 years back, able to use fashion to raise money and make, you know, for lack of a better of 25 breast cancer survivors look like the most beautiful people you've ever seen. So, so I was always able to use fashion in a nice way. So that's always been nice about that. But, yeah, you know, always good. Yeah. Anytime you can kind of flip it from the perceived you know, what people perceive it to be and then flip it into something where it's more helpful when they perceive it as right. a negative thing. I think right. right. I, I remember when the first time I, one client took me to Dallas, Texas to work a lot. And I remember the first time in Dallas, Texas, I was hiring models in Dallas, Texas. And I noticed when there was a new agency called Wallflower, I was like, what the, you know, cause in Dallas, you got Campbell agency and you got, you know, you got, um, you know, all the big ones in Dallas right. that everybody knows. Um, and then it was wallflower. I was like, what is wallflower? And this was years ago. So little did we know what was then has come full circle. Now, you know, we want the girl with the gap in her teeth and the freckles on her face and the right. not standard model size and all that. So like, yeah, wallflower was coming about a long time ago, but you know, I know a little better name. I know, but I, I don't even—I know—I don't even know if wallflowers still exist in Dallas, Texas, right now. But I remember seeing that and thinking, "Wow, that's interesting." But it was all about the interesting-looking people. So, right. yeah. But anyway, so out of all the celebrities, who would be your favorite that you've worked with? Hmm. Well, I guess my favorite time was—I um, helped Belk launch a line with Kristen Davis, and you know, it's Kristen oh, yeah. Davis's most known for Sex in the City. And of course I was a huge Sex in the City fan. And so was Victoria. So 
you know, and that went on for a couple of years that we traveled with her and did events and fashion shows with Kristen Davis. And every lots of times her mom and dad showed up because she was basically really from North Carolina. I think she was from Asheville. Mom and dad lived in Asheville. Oh, really? And yeah. And I mean, she was so what you see is what you get. I mean, like, had a line and it was, um, you know, what you see of her character on sex in the city. My experience was that's how she acts. Yeah. That's how she is. She's sweet and nice and good and cute and everything. And I think that was my favorite, but I really hope at that point in time, cause I was so busy at that point in time. I hope I remembered to even enjoy it. Remember I was yeah. actually with the girl from sex in the city a lot. Did I remember to enjoy that? But I don't know if I did or not, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know if I was so busy. I couldn't, you know, take right. up that, oh my gosh, Sex in the City, I'm here. But that was a lot of fun. I went to um, like between events, like one was in Atlanta, one was somewhere in Alabama. And we drove in between and um, we stopped and we went to Waffle House because she had her LA assistant with her and she wanted her to experience something like Waffle House. And so we went to Waffle House with Kristen Davis and her assistant and the waitress at Waffle House, was, it was way late at night. We were tired and not thinking we were looking that cute. The Waffle House waitress goes, hey, y'all so cute. Where y'all from? Where y'all been doing? Y'all look so cute. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, she didn't know who she was. And here I felt like we looked like the devil. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, my God. It was funny. That, that was funny. Well, I guess if you think about the area of the country you were in, you probably did look good, no matter how bad you thought she was. Well, no, I mean, you know, it was late at night. I mean, Look, Kristen Davis is beautiful late at night or early in the morning. So, and she's real gracious. So, I liked her a lot. That was lots of fun. I mean, she was real cute. And, you know, I've had some athletes that I really like. Michael Jordan is like a class act, you yeah. know. I mean, I've worked on some athletes that were really great and some that were not, but, you know. Right. Well, yeah. Everybody's probably got that story about some good ones, some bad ones, depending on who they are. Right. Yeah. And, you, you know, I, I will and I, I don't want to trash anybody, but, you know, I also helped launch some stuff with Cam Newton. And, you know, it was a line. It was a clothing line of suits and sportswear. And so, you know, I was a part of the thing that had an ESPN, um, you know, like press conference and the announcements and with him and everything was, you know, he was going to be a big deal. And he was a big deal already, you know. Yeah. And then he comes along and starts dressing like little Bo Peep. Oh, I'm going to say, people were sending me messages like, did you do that? Is is that you? I was like, no. Oh, I had to like send a text and say, if he looks like this in a suit, I did it. If he doesn't look like that, I didn't do that. But, you know, but I mean, good for I mean, him. Okay, that, that, I hadn't thought about that, but that does explain a lot because he did come out with that suit line. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden he changed how he was dressing to this more flamboyant mm -hmm. style. And the mm -hmm. suit lines disappeared. So it makes sense because that's not how he dressed. And who's going to go buy Cam Newton suit when that's not how Cam Newton dresses anymore? So I guess. Yeah. I mean, it was a good bunch of clothes. I mean, it was really good clothes. It was good clothes. I have a funny story about before that was premiered. Um, he was to wear this beautifully tailored suit that had been custom made for him and tailored and made by the line of suits that they would sell at the department store. And, um, so the suit 
was in a room and I was in the room with all the executives and the event was like, this was on a Friday. The event was like Monday night with ESPN and all these people. I was like, well, how's he getting the suit? Is he going to show up in time to get dressed and all that? And they went around and around. Like the men kept going, I don't know. You want to say, what are we going to do? I don't know. How's he going to get dressed? Is he going to show up? You know, they kept being like that. And I said, well, give it to me and I'll get it to him. No, no, no. It's okay. And then they said, maybe you should take it. So I took the suit home with me in my car over the weekend. And then I was digging in the garden out in the yard and I had just picked up bunches of barbecue and onion rings and fried food in my car. And I had a whole bunch of family over and they go, can you take that suit to Cam Newton's apartment? It needs to be there in the next 35 minutes. Now I live in Gastonia. He lived in downtown Charlotte. Um, Can you get it to him right now? But I have to tell you though, in the pocket, there's an envelope. And it has all the tags in the suit. The tags have to be sewn in the breast pocket, in the back of the pants, in the back neck of the jacket. So you have to sew all that on before you give it to him. Why? Nobody's going to see that, are they? Well, I'll bet for him to have it. It didn't have tags in it. You know what I mean? It was a custom-made suit. So I grabbed a niece who drove the car, and I grabbed needle and thread. I took all the barbecue out of the car. I don't even know if I threw a clean shirt in the car. I changed clothes in the car. I sewed all the way there, and I delivered the suit. And he had arrived in it on Monday for ESPN with the suit on and it had the tags inside of it. That was, that was lots of fun, right? Not, you know, mm. <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah, yeah it was hard. You deliver in the next 35 minutes with the tag sewn in it and you're mm-hmm. 40 minutes mm-hmm. away. They're in an envelope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. That was, yeah. Mm. Well, that just shows you can handle it. You'll figure out yeah, well, you, you know, nowadays the whole Instagram thing has given everybody a new challenge in that, you know, Instagram models and Instagram stylists and Instagram photographers, as we all know, you know, they would probably cry if they had to do what we had to do. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. I've know. heard of um, yeah, they, art directors, creative directors saying that, you know, they've tried occasionally they'll do something with an Instagram photographer or model or influencer or whatever. And they get on set and they're like, hey, we need this, we need that. And they look at them like, I don't know what you're talking about. Because exactly. they've only done it for Instagram. So they don't really know. Right. They don't understand all the stuff that goes into it. Well, we're going to have, this is going to be blown up this big. So can your camera handle that? Or can you, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it needs? Or are we going to have to have, like you said, the tags all sewn in the next 35 minutes. And they're like, I didn't bring anything to sew anything with. I just right or have a suit tailored. You got a man right. on set and he needs to wear a suit and suit has to be tailored. How are you gonna do that? You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've I've heard um I heard yesterday that there are people that rent Airbnbs, real pretty ones, and then right. they lay a piece of like they put a flower arrangement on the table and take a photo. And that's how they build it. So yeah, people would cry they had to do some of the stuff that we have to do for real. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Or like just putting clothes on a model and they don't fit because models aren't really the size your clothes are. Your samples sometimes can be an eight and your model can be a two and oh, yeah. you have to make it work, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. New York and they're size eight and the small is a two. Why would you send me an eight? And then you got yeah. to your clothes to make it fit. Right, you got to make it fit. Yeah, and yeah. you don't want to. Mm-hmm. I know. Or you yeah, I, I'll, but I, I'll say that. Go no, you go ahead. I'll say you your clients when you're shooting, they are, you know, for for me, it's it's just become whatever. It's just life. It's the way it is. Where you shoot and they go, hey, can we have this tomorrow? By the end of the day, tomorrow. And you go, okay, and you've shot a thousand images, you know, or more that you've narrowed it down to and you need to get them to them tomorrow. Where I can see an Instagram person go, whoa, 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 what? I can't get you. There's no, or they send them, they do, they would send them just completely 
not touched at all and send them and look like eh. so yeah. I think there's a there's a lot to it more than just showing some pretty pictures on Instagram yeah I agree I mean, if Instagram had been around when I was young, I've been in the back of every limo with every designer you can name. I could have owned Instagram, but it yeah. didn't exist. We didn't take our picture with people we were working on. That was considered rude. Can I take my picture with you? I would never have said that to Oscar De La Renta. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would yeah, never. I don't, I would do it now. I don't, think I I don't know that I would do it now, too. Yeah. But now if you don't do it, you can't prove you were there, you know? Yeah, it's like my kids. They were like, "What? I want to go to this," but I was like, "You can go," because say maybe like one of their friends isn't invited. Like, well, I want to go, but so and so wasn't invited. Like, well, you don't have to take a picture. It still happens, even if it's not posted on social media. Um, it still yeah. has, you have still experienced it. Everybody doesn't have to know you experienced it. Yeah, that's but, true. Yeah, that's true. I know. I yeah, I've done a lot of stuff. I can't prove because I was from the old school that you didn't take your photo with somebody you were working on, especially if they were famous. It was just rude to ask. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's funny. Mm. Oh well. Oh, well. <laughs> so out of everywhere you've been, what would be your favorite location to go back to between fashion shows and photo shoots, or whatever? Was there any place mm -hmm. that you've been like that was great? Um, the moorings at Isla Mirada, you know, that's beautiful. Everybody shoots there all the time. I mean, I think Sports Illustrated shot there. Um, the, the, the year where they painted everything on, I think that's where oh, they yeah, were. Yeah. Uh, you know, Cole shoots there. Every, everybody shoots there. It's where the palm trees grow horizontal and low. To the yeah. yeah, that's my favorite location. I love that. You know, in the, at the moorings, there are all those cottages and typically a photo crew will rent a cottage and Everybody stays in the cottage. That's the prettiest location. Yeah. I, I liked the very best. But, you know, even when, the, uh, when I shot there one time, I was on a, a men's big and tall catalog. And it was before men's big and tall was really so much of a category for modeling agencies. It was before, you know, like Zach is like the, one of the highest paid male plus size model, big and tall models. Now right. he's everything. Someone never it was like the, the extra, extra large for a guy who's a large kind of thing uh, no, well no listen what they did there were no models so i had a whole bunch of male comedians i was at the Alamorada with six guys that were comedians and the whole day it was like one joke after the next joke after the next joke after the next joke as we shot so you know i mean i mean bless them they weren't model material they didn't look that good but it was sure fun to be in that pretty location and hang out Not with them they were comedians. Some Miami modeling agency rounded up a bunch of male, big and tall comedians. That's what it was. That was hilarious, didn't it? So my, my best job at Island Marotta was on male comedians. <laughs> so I mean, it's not in my portfolio because they were thank you, but they were comedians and it was lots of fun, you know. But that's good though. That well, you know, that's well, a good back then, I mean, big and tall, it was it was hard to find. I mean, yeah. a lot of times you're grabbing actors. Or like you said, comedians, just somebody right. who's bigger and taller who maybe can fit. And half the time when we were shooting it, or I'm shooting it, you wouldn't get the right size clothes. So you've got to oh, yeah. an extra large, and they're sending everything extra, extra large. And we've had to wrap, we do like bubble wrap around people and, you know, to make. Yeah, I'm work. really good at that. I can make things fit. Yeah, yeah, do it. Uh, this, I tell you, this is funny. I went through a stint where I was really 
everybody was calling me for remember when the biggest loser started yeah, and yeah. Um, everybody was calling me for things for all the winners of the biggest loser. So, you know, I know, I know a lot of people's magazine covers are like Vogue and Vanity Fair. Mine are available in the grocery store, but Hey, it pays. I've had a lot of covers off the of Biggest Loser and you know weight loss stories and people used to do this. Um, you know, I lost half my size kind of oh, issue. Yeah. You know, done a lot of that kind of stuff. But I remember being um, somewhere in South Carolina with a local Charlotte photographer, and this woman had lost 125 pounds, and she probably only weighed 125 pounds now. And literally, like I picked up her abdomen and folded it over and rolled it and stuffed it in her pants. <laughs> And the photographer said to me, uh, can you kind of straighten out her top or bust line looks a little bit, little bit lumpy. And um, Mark, literally what I had done, um, if you saw her before I had worked on her, her bust line was like tube socks with tennis balls in them, you know, and so I had picked them up and put them where they go and sort of arranged them as best I could. And I was like, oh, no, honey, it's good. So I had to not say anything until I got back in the car because I ridden with the photographer. Right. I was like, darling, I have to tell you what I saw. I, every time I shut my eyes for six weeks, I saw those. I was like, holy cow. So, you know, I mean, it's all relative. So. So you had to. Okay. Arrange her boobs to be in the right position and in the right place. Her stomach skin P poked it down in tight jeans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. God bless. She was on the cover of a magazine and she looked great. She was only like 26 years old. Lord she God. had lost 125 okay. pounds, but and God bless her. She thought it was all going to go away. I didn't have the heart to tell her that's, you know, skin removal surgery, you know, but yeah. God bless but you for doing it because I'd have been there and be like, yeah, I'm. Uh, you guys, you guys <laughs> fix that because I am not touching it. I'm sorry. Every time I shut my eyes for six weeks, I saw it honestly. Because you, I look at, I look at people in that. I look at bodies all day long, and right. you know, put them in the right places for clothes and make everybody that you know fit perfect and look good. And that was it stands out in my mind as one that I was like, yeah, oh dear God, and yeah, it, it was hard. Yeah, she'd lost 125 pounds though, and good for her. That's so, impressive. You know, and she was on the cover of a magazine. I mean, yeah. you know, it was it was impressive, but whoo, it was hard. Whew, I don't want to do that again. That was hard. Well, yeah, I don't that that. No. <laughs> no, I couldn't. I couldn't do that at all. No. Mm. Oh, well, this has been good. Great. Thank you. Stories. All right, I want to ask you though, what is the strangest or most unusual, interesting thing that's happened to you? on any shoot fashion shoot fashion show whatever since you've been in the business what's what would mm -hmm. you say obviously this last one was story was a freaky and interesting and unusual but yeah what else would you say has something oh, that back? oh my god I, I yeah i can tell you something really cute so um it was during the time where the department store was doing something called serenade to autumn. And every year we had a huge major guest designer, like, you know, Oscar, Jeffrey, Bill Blast, one of those big names. And I was working on it. And the guest designer that year was named Arnold Scazzi. And Arnold Scazzi became famous because he dressed Barbara Streisand when she won her Oscar for Lentil. So he was a, a couturier, he, you know, made fabulous evening gowns and stuff. And so I was to fly to New York and only be there a couple of hours. Like I had a morning flight up to New York and an afternoon flight back. Um, 
and I was meeting several people from the department store that would go with me. And I actually went to his house. His house was on the East River and the art and the furniture, you know, you hear about, you know, that's Biedemeyer furniture. It's usually like, you know, it's a knockoff. It's, right. it's you know, a reproduction of Biedemeyer. I mean, his house was so, I mean, the art, the furniture, a little lady in a black and white uniform answered the door. She carried in a silver tray with crystal on it for us to all have a glass of water. He descended his staircase and he was a little short little man. And he had, you know, he kind of clearly like he, he gave himself a blowout every morning. He descended the stairs and the whole room was rearranged as to where he would sit. He sat in a hand chair. Remember the hand chair oh, that looked yeah. like this? He yeah. sat in the hand chair. So he was higher than all of us. And, um, and then for some reason, also, I went to his, he had a, like a Manhattan apartment in the middle, like across the street from the Plaza Hotel. I don't know why I went there first. I met cosmetic people there because he, had, of course, had a fragrance and I had to make some sort of arrangements with his fragrance. And it was like um, the bedrooms had like silver lame bedspreads and real Arite art on the walls. The whole thing was like, I felt like I was living a dream and he was such this funny little man. And then I, I and then I, somehow I missed the flight in the afternoon. I had to stay all day. I had to walk from, you know, one end of New York city to the other. I stopped and bought tennis shoes because of course I had heels and a suit on and it was hot. And, and then, you know, eventually you know, had him as a guest designer. It was lots and lots of fun. It was, it was breathtakingly beautiful when I got done with it, but the getting there, you know, the stories to tell about the maid answering the door and carrying the water in on a tray. And he came down in a tuxedo and it was the middle of the day when he descended those stairs, he had on like a black tuxedo and sat in that hand chair. And he's, he's since passed away, but um, yeah. Was he straight? No, probably not. Yeah. Probably not. No. And Bill Blast carried a highball glass with him at all times. I put him out on the <laughs> runway. Yeah, no, I mean, it was kind of like a highball glass standing around. It's kind of a Sinatra thing. I, I took it as like a Frank Sinatra thing. I put him out in the middle of the stage at the end, you know, when designers always right. appeared at the end of a fashion show and would walk down the runway with the model. He appeared in the middle of the stage in a tuxedo when he took his highball glass of bourbon with him you know it's like oh my god and I used to do this thing I would have um because I said I never took my picture with anybody and never did anything like that but you know I carry when I do fashion events I carry a lineup on a clipboard which is the order at which the fashion show rolls I would keep a pen with me always and at the end of that if I felt like I could do it I would say would you sign my lineup so I have lineups signed by lots of designers and Victoria has them on her wall now but um, Bill Blast signed it to the finale or who put me out in the dark. You put him out in the dark? Well, yeah, the lights went down oh. and I put him out in the dark and the lights came back up and there he stood in the middle of all of his women, you know, in the $50,000 dresses. Yeah. And he had a, he brought a highball with him. So yeah, he's dead too. Bill Blass had a little bit of a drinking problem, or is he just? No, I don't know. I mean, I think that was just his signature, oh, like, like, like look. I say, like Frank Sinatra. Right. It was just the way he looked, you know, right. the way he presented himself. He was very cute and very funny, but right. yeah. Mm. Damn. Anyway, you should write a book, huh? You should write a book. I 
I've worked on it. It's called Rock and Roll, The Glamorous Life. I don't know that um, all during the pandemic, I'm very disappointed in myself. I didn't do any work on that. But it's a lot of it's a lot of stories about, you know, like um, Uncle Jack and Oscar de la Renta told me about when they got in trouble with the FBI because Nancy Reagan was given clothes, you know, that were very expensive. And evidently, you know, you can't accept clothing above a certain you know a value amount and they lied and said that um she borrowed clothes from their house model isabella well isabella was five foot eleven and you can Mm. look up how tall what nancy reagan was it doesn't commute compute you know but so it's full of stories like that that's cool mm, i don't know i can't wait wait get on it finish that thing up i know mama melvin gotta do that i know gotta do when did that start when did you start being called mama melvin and who came up with that do you remember you know what i think i really think it was because victoria and i both worked at the department store style and because victoria was there she called me mama right and then it just like you know when you're in a photo studio you're with a lot of young people you know and yeah. I always have everything everybody needs, whether it's Tylenol, a cough drop, or a bottle of That's water, sure. or hand sanitizer. So, you know, I'm just who they came to for all the needs. So it just, I, and I won't think of it as I'm old. I'll think of it as a term of endearment. So, yeah, I'm Mama Melvin. I think it's a term of endearment. I hope so. I mean, I it's am like, old. Hey, here's that old lady. Here's that old lady. She came <laughs> off, but she's still styling. <laughs> I think it's a term of endearment. Okay, so it's a term of endearment. We'll think yeah. of it that way, but yeah. I think it's Victoria's fault. Probably. I yeah, I think that. it's her fault. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. It was this fun. Was great. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I hope I didn't trash anybody. I didn't tell you anything bad about anybody, really. You did good. We'll have to have another one where you just talk about shit about everybody. Yeah, I could do that too. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that at all. Still um, working, not ready to do that yet. I get it. Well, thank you for doing this. I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. It was fun. All right. Thanks. Hey.